We have a new report launching soon. It's a candid view of the very real challenges facing banks right now, from technology to new competitors to culture, and how they're all interlinked. We explain the intricacies of banking technology in simple terms, but without dumbing it down. And we give answers on the way forward. To get a link straight to your inbox as soon as it launches, please make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. That's Fintech in 5. And you can head to bit.ly forward slash 11FS subscribe to do that now. Welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Simon Taylor. In today's episode, we're going to talk all about payroll APIs. Fintech enablers and infrastructure has been one of the most important catalysts for growth in the recent financial services ecosystem. And in recent months, we've seen new platforms pop up that give fintechs access to more data using payroll APIs. But what are they? How do they work? And what problems do they actually solve? Fortunately, I'm joined by some excellent guests to dive into this topic. First up is Kurt Lin, who is co-founder and CEO over at Pinwheel. How are you doing today, Kurt? Hey, Simon. I'm great. Thanks for having me. I am a big fan of the podcast and excited to be here. Pinwheel is a payroll API company, which is, I'm assuming, why I'm here. We work with banks, lenders, and fintechs to provide connectivity to consumers' payroll accounts. And from that point of connectivity, we can enable a lot of things. Uh, including direct deposit switching for banks, a wide berth of data access for everything, including income, identity, employment, time and attendance, pay stubs, et cetera, as well as things like paycheck-linked loans, where consumers can opt to have lenders can collect loan payments directly from their paycheck in exchange for a lower rate. We're going to unpack all of that in the show. Kurt, thank you so much for joining us. We're also joined by Ahmed Siddiqui, who's VP of product over at Branch. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Simon. Thanks again for having me. And uh, again, huge, huge fan of the show. The show is great. The producers are amazing. Tough luck. You guys got stuck with me, though. But uh, tell us a little bit about Branch. Yeah, so um, we have built an employer payments platform. And we are basically obsessed with being able to offer working Americans access to their money as fast as possible. So how do we do that? Well, we work a lot with employers and we also work with technology partners to actually enable this. So a good example of an employer could be like a Domino's pizza franchise, or it could be like a Supercut salon franchise as well. And what we can do is we can get the tips paid out to these workers as soon as they're done with the delivery or as soon as they're done with the haircut. And so that's actually how we work with the employers. But the way that we work with the payroll providers is that we actually hook in so that instead of them paying out with paper checks, they can actually pay out to branch. And then we also hook in with POS vendors as well so that we can get access to the tip data or we can get access to the time and attendance data that's actually in the POS and be able to connect that way. Beautiful. And last but not least is Katie Neal, who's Outreach and Advocacy Manager over at Plaid. Great to have you with us, Katie. How are you doing today? Good. Great to be here. And I know Plaid has been on here a few times, so I'll do a quick introduction to us. We power a number of fintech applications, about 4,500 now, and we connect to over 11,000 different financial institutions. So we've historically connected users' bank account data to the fintech apps that they would like to use. We recently launched a Plaid for Payroll Suite, which I assume is what we're here to talk about today. And so we have two new products that we've launched in the past couple of months, and, and we're really excited to talk about those. Great to have you all with us here today. Katie, as you just mentioned, Plaid's been a player in the space for some time, but I guess the payroll thing that you mentioned, can we just get some 
definitions. Kurt kind of covered it a little bit in his intro, but I'd love to know what is a payroll API? Like what's what's the quickest way of defining that? So there are a number of different ways to access payroll data, and we've historically built integrations into bank accounts to power use cases, but now we're building those same integrations into payroll providers. So you can connect to Plaid's API to access our deposit switch or verification of income product, where we've either built direct connections into payroll providers or are partnering with payroll providers on APIs that they have stood up. And it basically allows us to connect a consumer's payroll data to whatever fintech app or bank they would like to use. So we're seeing a lot of interest from traditional financial institutions and a lot of interest from fintechs in being able to access direct from source payroll data. And that's exactly what this does. Um, and I know Pinwheel does this as well. And so uh, Kurt had a lot of great use cases that he touched on earlier. Yeah, I'd love, Kurt, if you could just unpack some of that a little bit as well. You mentioned some use cases. Like, what does this actually give a consumer that they didn't have before? What does it give a business that they didn't have before? Yeah, that's a great question. The way that we like to frame that is there's kind of two big buckets here. One is the data that has never really been programmatically unlocked before. And then the second piece is around access to the settings and editing them accordingly. So the other way to look at it is kind of thinking about it from a read and write perspective. And on the read side, there's a wealth of use cases that we can solve with that newly unlocked data. Things like better income and employment verification, improved underwriting models with the additional data that we can unlock, as well as almost reimagining a lot of the constructs of credit where instead of it being simply a snapshot, you could actually look at it more from a across the lifetime of a loan. Similarly, on the right side, there's a lot of really interesting things you can do, like switching someone's direct deposit whenever they apply for a new bank account. But you can also take that one step further and actually use that access to direct deposits as a way to actually help consumers unlock lower rates on loans. For example, as I mentioned, around paycheck link loans. So I think there's there's a couple of things to unpack there. Like that last point around unlocking cheaper loans, if you move who you bank with, you switch your direct deposit, then a lot of lenders will offer you a better rate. But switching bank has always been really, really hard. It's been a lot of admin. It's incredibly painful. So I think the consumer benefit there of just making that easier is not only can you get a better loan, but you can do a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Ahmed, I want to come to you because you talked about some other use cases as well, like from the consumer benefit standpoint, but also from the employer standpoint. How do you think about that when you're getting closer to payroll, you're getting closer to the consumer benefit? What problems are we really solving? Yeah, again, uh, when you get closer to the payroll system, as Kurt had mentioned, um, being able to go in and being able to do a deduction off of somebody's payroll, I think is really interesting. And again, for lenders, it's awesome because you're basically accessing uh, or, or getting the payback uh, from somebody even before they receive the money in, in their bank account, right? So it's actually, if it's a $100 loan or a pay advance for that matter, they can actually get that money before it even hits the bank account of the user. So it's a really safe and secure way of doing it, which is why you can actually get lower interest on it. That's a great point. So it, let's say a consumer has been paid, money sits in their bank account. There's other things that that could get spent on other than the day the loan comes out. Whereas actually, if it comes directly off payroll, hey, I've got a good idea that I'm going to get my money back as a lender. So maybe I can offer this consumer a better rate. I think that's a really powerful thing to start to think about. Katie, you wanted to jump in there? 
Sure. I also wanted to say for the consumer, it's there's powerful use cases. You can actually allocate savings directly from payroll, so you never even see it hit your bank account. So if you're if you want to hit a savings goal or you want to maybe switch some with our deposit switch product, for example, you can choose where to allocate funds. If you want to choose it to an investments account, a bank account, you can choose all at the same time. And I can, as a consumer, say, I want to save $200 from my payroll each month, or I want to save $50 from my payroll each month. So I'll never even see that hit my bank account. And I think that's a really great consumer use case as well. And it sort of creates the automatic uh, incentives that many of us, once we see the money in our bank account, are disincentivized to move it somewhere else. (laughs) I love that idea that, yeah, like, just do the savings for me. Like, don't even let me see the money in the first place. It's kind of like, it's just going straight into a savings pot and I can never miss it if I never had it. There's something really nice there. Kurt, you're nodding along. Is this something you're seeing? Yeah, so uh, one of the theses that we have, and frankly, I think is a a trend in the broader fintech world is this idea of self-driving finance, right? And I think this very much is the engine for that. And in fact, one of the really interesting things that we have heard from a lot of folks who have spent time with those who are lower income is that there is it's really hard for them to build up savings, right? Because whenever there is money available, oftentimes the propensity is to spend it. But if we can help kind of reduce that cognitive load and automatically take some amount of their paycheck and route it to a savings account for them, it really helps them to kind of build that cushion uh, without having to really think about it in order to get there. Ahmed, I wonder what your thoughts are on that, because I think you're, you're kind of at the front of that from both the employee and the employer's perspective, like building up that savings buffer is so hard for so many people. Yeah, the building building the buffer is super hard because, I mean, most people are living paycheck to paycheck, especially in the demographic that we're servicing. And so what ends up happening is that on the 15th or the 30th, they get paid and poof, that money is gone. And so being able to take a little bit of that even if it's like roundup types of things and just being able to push it out, I think is a great way for them to build up. I mean, ultimately our goal is to get a $400 buffer built for most of the people that are on our platform. And I think this is a really great way for us to be able to do that. And then the other piece that I think is really fascinating is again, when the loan or you know again, an advance, for example, a pay advance is done and it can be taken out from their paycheck directly, it's great because what could happen is that they could get a portion of their earned wages available before the 15th and the 30th. And then what happens is that it's uh, paid back automatically. And so for them, they don't have to think about this. They don't have to think about, oh gosh, you know, I've, I've got this kind of outstanding advance and I need to pay for it. Well, it's kind of done automatically, right? And so- I think that's really powerful. Yeah, the empowerment side of that is is really great because a lot of employers were quite happy to offer advances, but there's almost an embarrassment factor of, oh, I better go ask for an advance because it's really hard. And people don't think of doing that. So they go to payday lenders instead. They get into high interest debt. This is another route to do something that's you know kind of in their interests, maybe better for them, maybe lower risk, but also Talk to me about how this might be in the employer's interest to be giving more advances potentially. Yeah, so I think the employer really just cares about their employees not having to worry about their finances, right? And Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, this is actually a really big problem. And they're not able to do their best at work because they're constantly worried, I don't have enough money to like buy gas. I don't have enough money to, you know, buy groceries or whatever. And so they want to be able to offer the facility. But again, to your point, Like nobody actually wants to ask their boss for an advance. Like that's that's probably the last thing that people want to do. And so if you can do it silently 
and the employer is offering this benefit of uh, earned wage advance, and all of it's done kind of through technology, your manager may not even know that you're taking an advance, but it's available to you. And I've just made this employee really happy because they don't have to worry about this financial burden again. I think just to jump in there, data point, more than half of all companies today are offering some sort of financial wellness benefit. I think the workplace has increasingly become a hub for one's financial life and choice and personalization are are pretty much table stakes now. And we've seen payroll providers realize that as well for the employers that they support. So like Gusto's launched Gusto Wallet, ADP has launched Wisely, Ceridian has also launched a wallet. And we're really seeing this shift towards payroll providers trying to help employers offer more benefits to their employees as well. And I think then the HR data that that used to sit in was was kind of fairly hard to access. I guess, Kitty, what's changed there? Because you've still got to think about employee consent. You've still got to think about all of the privacy considerations. What has really changed in the past year or two that kind of gets access to some of that underlying HR data? So, I think that there's two parts to that question. One, like the idea of like a, a two-week pay cycle or a month pay cycle is pretty outdated. I think that was like from the 1970s and policies that were in place then. And and today we just have the technology to be able to provide earned wage access the day you earn it, which makes sense. And we're starting to see employers realize that we do have that technology available today and are wanting to offer that to their employees. But we're also, in terms of a consumer being able to consent and share this data, right? Plaid has worked a lot in that space with bank account data. So we want to make sure that the consumer knows what data they're permissioning, who they're permissioning it to, and what it's for. And so we provide panes throughout our flow, and I'm sure Pinwell does as well. And it tells the consumer, you know, Plaid would like to connect your payroll account. We're going to share your income. Here's what income we're sharing. Here's the employer information we're sharing. The consumer can choose to get an email sent to them at the end of all of this so that they have it for their records and they can see where they've shared their data and how it's being used, for example, in a lending use case or in an earned wage access use case. Got it. Yeah, that visibility is super powerful. Kurt, you mentioned earlier, and I think we briefly tipped on the lender side. You know, so Ahmed was talking about, I can auto save. I think the the build there from Kitty about sort of really just being clear about where my data has been used is really valuable thread. The third one is, is you mentioned lenders and the clarity of data, the lower risk. We sort of pointed that out, but let's seriously unpack that. Like, what am I getting access to that I didn't have before? And is this not just giving people potentially who are quite at risk in, in some segments of society another way to get into debt? How do you avoid that? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one thing that you mentioned early on was this idea that, you know, a lot of folks don't have a choice but to go to a payday lender or to resort to other predatory products. And the reason for that is largely because the lenders out there um, don't have a lot of good data to be able to reliably underwrite someone who doesn't have either thin credit or doesn't have a really robust credit profile. Right. And so that system just frankly doesn't work for, I would argue, nearly more than half of of all Americans if you really look at the data. And so if it's a problem of a lack of data, that's something that we can easily solve. Right. And with all the information in these payroll systems, whether it's, you know, how much you're making, how long you've been at your job, what type of job you have, you start to get a lot of really powerful signals that you can then share with lenders in order to expand what they would consider to be a reliable borrower, right? I'll give you a really great example. It's been shown that even though they may not have a high credit score necessarily, if someone has been a a teacher or a nurse or a federal worker for a long time, those are really stable jobs with pretty stable employment and are proven to be more reliable borrowers, right, than 
what their FICO score may show. And so I think, again, it's all about giving lenders as much breadth of data as possible to be able to say, hey, originally we weren't totally sure that you know we would feel comfortable lending to you, but now that we have an additional set of data, well, we do, right? And I think that's a major step function in the right direction. That's powerful. Just one note on that, it's direct from source data rather than other types of data. And I think that's a big shift that lenders really appreciate is that it's coming directly from source. And as Kurt touched on, there's a whole host of data we can offer. Payroll data is just one step in moving towards an open finance ecosystem where you can share rent data, telco data, subscription data, et cetera, and provide more uh, signaling to lenders in order to better underwrite consumers and provide more access to credit for a whole host of consumers that are operating outside of a traditional credit system. Well, I think that's kind of crazy, isn't it, that if you look back at what a lot of lenders are doing, they're looking at your credit score and your credit history. So the credit products I happen to have got in the past, if I didn't have a credit product in the past, then I am SOL. I've just got no chance. And then if I did have a credit product in the past, that doesn't tell you what my current income is. So, you know, the guy Plaid was a real pioneer, as were many others in terms of getting access to what's happening in my bank account now. But that, are you still employed and are you still going to have this income in the future? What kind of job do you have? Just gives another richness to that data that's really, really powerful. Simon, you had touched on something funny there that I just wanted to chime in on. You have to take out debt in order to be in our credit system today, which is kind of an interesting notion, right? Like in order to be viable in our credit system today, you had to have take out debt. Some of the consumers out there that are the most debt adverse are probably the most safe and secure to lend to. And they might be a very thin file or may not have a number of points on their credit system because of that. Yeah, this kind of perverse world in which you need credit to get credit to get if you've had a lot of credit you're credit worthy and that's a weird signal it just means you happen to have a lot of credit and if you've been a really good saver hey guess what you're still a thin file as they call it in the jargon Kurt I'm just going to come back to you quickly on the consumer fintech companies as well we mentioned direct deposit switching we mentioned that being pretty tough but for a consumer fintech company what are the ways they're looking at this and what are they seeing in, in the opportunity space yeah, before I answer that question, I actually do want to touch on something that you mentioned earlier, which I think is a really fascinating unlock that we can provide with a payroll API. So you mentioned that with credit, right? When you're a lender, you're really trying to answer two questions around a potential borrower. One is their willingness to pay, one is their ability to pay, right? And so the credit score is supposed to be an indicator of their willingness to pay, but it really doesn't give you a good view into their ability to pay, right? And so when you can get the income and employment data, as Katie mentioned, directly from the source, that's a obviously a really big improvement from what exists currently. But to take that one step further, the paradigm of credit as it exists now is very much a snapshot, right? And this is actually something that uh, was covered in a previous podcast episode. And the idea is basically at the point of origination, you're saying, okay, I know how much you make, I know where you work, and I'm going to approve you. But after that, it's a black box, right? Then as a lender, you basically cross your fingers and hope that they don't default. What if you could actually have a real-time view into that person's employment along the life cycle of that loan and say, hey, you know, as in month five and month 10, I can see that you are still employed or actually, God forbid, especially in, in a COVID uh, economy or post-COVID economy, you know, what if you've been terminated or furloughed or had a reduction in hours? Can I actually get that signal ahead of time as a lender and then get ahead of it by offering you a term extension, a loan mod, or something in order to provide relief to you as the borrower, while at the same time as a lender protecting my asset, right? And there's a lot of interesting things that you can do with that once you have those 
data pipelines in place to actually be able to act on them. I think that desire to become a much more data-driven lender is absolutely out there. But to be data-driven, you need more data. And in order to do that, you need a consumer that's willing to share it. Right. So I think that's a, a powerful thing to unpack. I mean, I'm interested in your perspective. Again, though, I, I always worry with this stuff that are we giving away too much data here? And, and how do we make sure we stay the right side of consumer protection with, with everything we're talking about, especially when it's close to lending? Yeah, I, I think this is a really good call-up. So on our side, we connect in with the payroll systems and then we also service as the financial institution as well for these workers. So it's like we provide, I mean, we basically provide them a, a free checking account. So it's like free checking account, connection to payroll. And so we actually see both sides of the equation. And so I think the consent is really important. And so again, as you're signing up for a branch account, number one, you're consenting to the account. But then also as the connection is happening to your employer, you're also consenting to that. And so it's kind of like both ways you're consenting. And then also if you opt to you know, take an earn wage ex- advance, you're also consenting to that piece of it. And the way that we are able to essentially do this for free is because we have access to both sides. And you know, as we were uh, talking about it earlier, our risk level is really low because of that. As it's not a loan, it's an earn wage advance, but still, you know, our risk level is very low and thus we can do it all for free versus having to charge them. And so the consent is still really important because if you don't get consent, again, it's all optional, right? You don't have to get any of this stuff, but being able to get the consent, being able to offer it in a really seamless and easy way without a ton of paperwork, I think is really important. I want to come to as well a bit of behavioral psychology because humans don't like financial education very much. But actually, the UK did something kind of interesting a couple of years ago. We introduced the workplace pension. The idea is any full-time employee must have a pension scheme with their employer. And it was put into law that it had to happen. So it would be like setting up a, a mandatory 401k for anybody who was a legal employee, a registered worker. And that's an example of a default, which is a behavioral psychology design piece where you're just defaulting into something. The other one is nudge theory. There's a whole bunch of this stuff. What kind of role can branch play in, in that sort of waterfall of, of financial resilience to, and, and companies like yourselves if you have access to this kind of data? Yeah, so we follow the nudge theory. So it's primarily we provide them with insights into their spending. We provide them with insights into how they're earning. And what we do is we say, hey, by the way, you know, if you do X, Y, or Z, you can actually start saving more. Why don't you try this, right? And so that's actually been very, very powerful because we actually are seeing a lift in the actual savings of the person without actually forcing them into something, you know, by saying, oh, you must go in and save X amount, you know? Yeah, it's kind of, it's making it super actionable because it's right there. Here's the data. Just click it. It's going to happen. Why don't you do it? It's a notification. We see this with a lot of the PFMs and micro savings apps that they use data to figure out when's the best time of day where somebody feels like they can save that extra $10. Hey, you're on your way to get your morning coffee. I can see that spend's coming in today. Why don't I just try and subvert it? You know, you're going to save it today. Save that $5 instead of buying the coffee. Like there's little things like that that build the habit that I think is super powerful. Alrighty, guys, I'm just going to take a quick pause here whilst we hear some words from our sponsors and then we'll be right back at it. 11FS is supported by Banking Circle. Connect to the fastest, most cost-efficient and transparent payment solution available in the market. 
Thank you so much to our sponsors. Great to have you with us. And great to be back talking to you guys as well. We talked a little bit before the break about consumer fintechs. Kurt, you wanted to dive into some of the use cases there as well. Yeah, I would love to. So I think there's a wide variety of different use cases, but I would love to start with the ones that I think are the most urgent and immediate. I think one of those is direct deposit switching. So for banks, especially a lot of the newer neobanks that are popping up pretty frequently these days, there's a really powerful opportunity here to take what was once a really high friction process of having to submit a paper form to your HR team or to kind of go onto your own portal and self-service to be able to condense all of that friction down to a single click and then embed that into anyone's onboarding flow in order to have that consumer be able to instantly move their paychecks over from their old account to their new account and thus help that neobank also you know, increase engagement, long-term value, et cetera. So I think that's one that's really relevant today. Another one is around earned wage access, which uh, Ahmed has uh, touched upon. But I think what's really interesting is when you actually have access into the payroll system, you can get all the information around their paychecks as well as their time and attendance in order to be able to get a real robust picture of actually saying, okay, this is when someone clocked in, this is when someone clocked out. With that information as well as all their historical pay, we can say with a high degree of confidence that we can give them a pay advance of X amount. And I think that's obviously earn wage access is not a new market, but I think tackling it from that perspective with that new set of data allows it to be a much more effective product. Yeah, going deeper into the offerings you have as a fintech to the consumer is powerful. Deepening your relationship, there's there's always the thing that people talk about with a lot of the neobanks in particular, which is great, you got a lot of customers, but how many direct deposits do you have? What's your balance sheet size? Actually, this is a real sort of shot in the arm for, for that kind of thing. I will say, just to jump in, we've seen a ton of interest from traditional financial institutions as well. And so that this is something that everyone wants to be able to access, the idea of deposit switch and being able to have some funds diverse from a payroll into a Bank of America or Wells Fargo, for example. There's a lot of interest in that space as well. It's not just necessarily a product for the fintech ecosystem. I think it's one for the whole financial one. And that's a really great point. Like We are called Fintech Insider, but there's a lot of bank listeners here who are trying to build better products for their consumers and customers. And why not use it? Why not take advantage of these new APIs to, to do more with it? And kidding on that point, I think there's something interesting about those other use cases. Are you seeing the earned wage access? Are you seeing other use cases pop up around that as well. I'm not so sure about, I think it, it'll be a little bit more difficult for the idea of earned wage access uh, outside of just the, in the fintech ecosystem. But what we are seeing is that the larger payroll companies, for example, wanting to do earned wage access, like ADP Wisely Pay, for example, is an earned wage access product essentially for on-demand payments. And they partner with Visa Direct to do that. And I think that's a really cool use case of an incumbent using this new technology to offer the services that consumers and employers and employees have told them that they want. So that's really one interesting shift that we're seeing. Uh, it's a powerful shift, isn't it? And I think on the consumer side, we touched on data earlier, and I, I wanted to just kind of come back around to that because I think we've covered there's some consumer benefit from the more accurate lending. There's some consumer benefit from the nudges and the the auto savings that you kind of have access and you can at least see your data. That's quite different to what we had in, in the traditional world of finance, Casey. Exactly. I think the idea, it's always scary when we talk about financial data, right? And we've existed in a world where financial data hasn't necessarily belonged to the consumer entirely. It, it's going through 
background channels. When you get a credit pool, you don't exactly know what credit they're pulling, what credit cards they've linked to. It might be a, an account you opened seven years ago and used once. With consumer permission data that companies like Plaid, Pinwheel, and Branch supply, the consumer knows exactly what data they're sharing. They're providing the data that they want to share that's the most relevant to their financial life, and they're able to use it for the tools and that they want to access, whether it be earned wage access or uh, a, a lending product. And I think that's something that's really shifting the power in favor of the consumer rather than the more, we call it, you know, like black box type of credit systems that have existed today. Yeah, and I think that black box of contrast is powerful because everybody assumes, oh, there's more data being shared about me. More must be bad. But consider the data that was shared on you historically and how that was shared and how and what standard this this has to be held to. Ahmed, do you have a perspective on either the, the consumer use cases or, or some of the other pieces here around access? We're partnered already with Plaid on the Plaid Exchange. And so we basically can show all of our users what fintech apps they're connected to. And so we love the fact that it's actually very visible and available. And then on top of that, for any payroll system data that they're already hooked into, they're opting in. And so we know that um, we're getting that data from them directly. So I think ultimately it boils down to choice and being able to give consumers the option to you know, get their financial services in however way that they want. And I think this is really where the power of the payroll APIs comes in. Mm, consumer choice, we like that stuff. I would, I would love to add on that point around consumer empowerment and as well as uh, kind of adding in a, a final use case here. I touched upon briefly this idea of paycheck linked lending, but it's a really powerful concept in its core because what you're effectively doing is you're empowering that consumer, especially someone who may not have a robust credit profile to be able to meaningfully and tangibly reduce their rate right off the bat, right? And better yet, it's completely optional and opt-in, right? So we're actually live with a variety of lenders doing this right now, where the lender is saying, hey, you can opt into this alternative repayment flow with Pinwheel by connecting your uh, payroll account. And in doing so, we can instantly take off, call it, you know, somewhere between 50 to 100 bips, something off of your rate, if not more, depending on the, the provider. And so what ends up happening is that consumer has a choice to be able to actually get a lower rate, but it's completely of their own accord, right? And I was going to say, I like that. You know, it kind of reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've seen in insurance, they have the telematics thing now that some insurers do, and you can stick the little box in your car. And if you're a safe and responsible driver, you can send that data to the insurer and they might give you a cheaper premium. But if you don't want to share that, then you don't have to get the box and they'll give you a premium anyway. So it, 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 that consumer empowerment is, is entirely opt-in. And I think there's something powerful there about it being opt-in, Kurt. Right. And I will also add that in the early data that we've seen, in many cases, there is as high as, as a 3x repayment rate between pinwheel cohorts and those who aren't. And so there is a meaningful reduction in risk for the lender as well when you when you offer this. Yeah, you're not just offering better pricing because you've got this other data and you think it might be better, but you're actually seeing that in results. And 3x lower is is pretty special in terms of losses versus the, the rest of the world. So as we come to the conclusion here, I can't believe this is kind of coming to the end of the podcast already, but I want to get your perspectives on what are you excited by in the next sort of 12 months and, and three years in this space? And Katie, I'm going to start with you because you know the, some of these payroll APIs seem to have popped up in the last six to 12 months, still a fairly new area. What do you think we're going to see in the next periods? So the thing I'm most excited about is payroll companies getting excited about this. And right now, 
I don't know if you know your payroll credentials off the top of your head. I certainly don't. They're saved on a blast pass on my computer. Right now, it's it's pretty hard to actually, even still with this less friction environment, you still have to remember who your payroll provider is, what your credentials are. There's going to be an ecosystem shift where we're partnering directly with payroll providers to provide credentialist access. You can do one-time passcode, and that way you won't have to go look up your password. You won't have to look up your payroll provider. You can search by employer already on Plaid. We have over 250,000 employers in our database, and if you work for Uber, for example, you can type in Uber. We'll tell you who your payroll provider is and take you to that screen. But the next step is moving towards this idea of you don't have to know your password. You can just get a one-time passcode and then log in that way. And I think that there's going to be a lot more interest from payroll providers in that in that space and moving and partnering directly there. So I think about if you've ever had to do this, I'm going through a house move at the moment and I had to do the thing where I got to provide all kinds of pay slips, all kinds of old bank statements. Brutal. I just did that. <laughs> just getting access to all of that is super hard. Actually being able to pull all of that together and just go bang, here it is. I mean, it would break the brains of a lot of traditional lenders and especially some of the brokers out there. But I think actually as you give people that one click, just pull it all and it's safe and secure. I think a lot of people would want to take that. Yeah. Simon, I just uploaded 12 months of pay stubs. I took pictures of them, uploaded them and sent them to a mortgage provider. It took took maybe two hours. So if you're a mortgage provider and you're out there and you're listening, we've we've been through this pain. We would like you to change. <laughs> Kurt, you've got thoughts. Yeah, well, I was just going to say my co-founder, Curtis, actually uh, just went through a, a refinance of his mortgage through Wells Fargo. And he was sending me all these different forms of like, this is there's got to be a better like we we have a almost a like moral mandate to build what we're building so that we can take all this pain and friction out of uh, that process, right? And so per what Katie mentioned, I think the most exciting piece about this is when you look at the payroll and also, I just want to say that payroll is a broad term. It also includes like HRIS systems and like basically any software that has the employment and income data of employees. When you look at the broader ecosystem, the really exciting thing is that you know, I think unlike the early days of banking aggregation, where there was very much kind of more of an antagonistic relationship, we have found that a lot of the partners on the payroll side are very much willing to partner and they understand the, the value there. And especially with a new Biden administration um, and, this, and the new seat in the CFPB, we're definitely starting to see a much more accelerated path towards empowering consumers, which is ultimately comes down to, right? And once you can really show that this access to data meaningfully improves the financial outcomes of these consumers, I think the progress will only expedite in that direction. That's amazing. I didn't even have to prompt you and you got to what you're excited by, but I do think that like consumer perspective being different, the administration being different, and also the lack of adversarial relationship is really, really powerful sort of one, two, three combo. Ahmed, what are you excited by as you look at payroll APIs in the next uh, sort of uh, 12 to 18 months? Yeah, 12 to 18 months. What I'm excited about is a little bit on the flip side. So we offer APIs to payroll companies to be able to offer sort of faster payments through branch, right? And so what I'm excited about is the fact that there are a ton of payroll companies that are actually wanting to integrate in with us versus kind of the other way that we were talking about, right? And on top of that, there's a lot of newer payroll companies that are kind of reimagining what the whole like payout flow needs to look like. So we did a, a really cool partnership with Rippling, which is a newer payroll company, a really hot company right now. And what they did is they built a one-click bank account experience all within their system. And so as somebody is getting onboarded through Rippling, 
you basically can push a button that says, oh, this person doesn't have a bank account. Cool. Push a button. It generates a bank account through branch in you know less than two seconds. We KYC them. We do all that work. And then they get back the account routing number and poof, they're off to the races. The, the user actually gets an email saying, you've been set up with a bank account. Your direct deposits are going to go to this. Go ahead and download the branch app. We basically download the branch app. And the next thing that we ask them to do is please add your card to Apple Pay or Google Pay. And so like on day one, we can get people actually going with a bank account. It's all happening through your employer, which is really, really exciting. And so I think there's going to be a lot of really cool use cases that come out of this that we probably don't know of. But the fact that we've got kind of a really progressive payroll company that we're partnered with working on this, like it's pretty exciting. I mean, that is very cool. Yeah, I love that point that there's going to be stuff we don't know about. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Guys, we got 60 seconds. Last thoughts, Kurt and, and Katie? This is an $8.7 trillion market, and we're just starting to see innovation in this space. And as Ahmed just pointed out, we're, we're going to keep seeing more and more innovation. And I am very excited to see where we the future of payroll goes. And I think it's really going to be innovated in the direction of consumer benefit and financial health and well-being. Yeah, I think on a final note, what actually gets me the most excited is just seeing the amount of innovation that is actually occurring as we speak. We are working with folks who are already looking at creating really interesting new products off of the API that we can provide. Things like building a a real-time W-2 from pay stubs to be able to do like one-click tax filing, right? Or being able to literally build an entire automated savings portfolio. Uh, It's by you know routing uh, money directly from direct deposits, it's it's pretty crazy the things that you can do with kind of the right amount of elbow grease and with the right data at your fingertips. A little bit of elbow grease, a little bit of imagination. It sounds like some newscaster <laughs> from the seventies talking about cookies, but hey, like it's surprising what you can get done with data. And I think the bank account data showed that we don't know what the use cases are going to be, and now we've got this whole other, uh, even more potentially exciting data set to really play with. And I'm excited that today we. We got to hang out and play all about this subject. So that wraps up today's discussion. Thanks for joining us. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your company, Kurt? Yes, you can check us out at getpinwheel.com as well as follow us on Twitter at Pinwheel API. We love hearing any and all feedback. So please feel free to ping me directly at Kurt at getpinwheel.com. We would love to hear from innovators of all shapes and sizes. Brilliant. How about you, Ahmed? Yep. On the web, www.branchapp.com. And on Twitter, we're at branch. Beautiful. And Katie? Simple, plaid.com. On Twitter, at plaid. Perfect. And you find me on at SYTaylor on Twitter, and you can find 11FS at 11FS.com. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us so much. It helps us make the show better, and it helps other people find the show. And as always, if you want to join the conversation, search for 11FS on social media, search for Fintech Insider, or email podcasts at 11FS.com. Thank you guys so much. Bye for now.